This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. We're talking auction draft prices on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Roto-Viz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online in the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Roto-Viz. Joined by the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. He's back. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's it's going okay. I should just say we are not operating at full capacity right now. I'm using data from my phone as my internet source, and you are recording uh, not in your typical uh, bunker, but uh, it seems like at a, a kitchen table uh, surrounded by a whole bunch of noise-making fools. Yes. So we yes. are, <laughs> we're, we're not delivering at peak capacity. No, we are not. So in the interest of uh, full disclosure, I am up at uh, my brother's lake house on Lake George right now um, with a number of people that struggle in um, respecting the commands to be quiet, whether it's because children <laughs> are going to sleep, some of us are recording podcasts, or others are trying to achieve anything. So it sounds like you might have people doing dishes in the background. Yep, that's that's factually correct. Um, but you know what, Matt, all we can do is press on. But I, I do want to ask, um, I believe that you and your wife were in line at the Minnesota DMV at 4 a.m. Yeah. one morning to take a test. Did, did both of you pass? We, we passed uh, with flying colors. Uh, 4 a.m. is uh, pushing it a little bit. It was uh, 410 a.m. Um, if we had gotten there at 4 a.m., we probably would have been uh, like 15th and 16th in place, uh, but we got there at 4:10, so we were 28th and 29th in place. Uh, and the DMV didn't open until eight, Ooh. and we didn't get in there until I would say about 10. That's pretty wild. So yeah. when you took this test, am I to assume that uh, both you and your wife uh, scored 100% on this test? Uh, no, uh, there was one question. So there are 40 questions that you can be asked and you can miss only eight. And so if you get to a point where you're like guaranteed to pass, they just, the computer just stops asking you questions. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So, uh, one question I missed had to do with, uh, the distance at which you have to stop behind a, uh, stopped school bus. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, yeah, it's not 150. Actually, I want to say I forget if it's 30 or 80. I've now said a, a bunch of numbers. Let me give you a final answer of 30 feet. No, that's too close. I'm gonna go 150. Too far. I think it. 
I think it was actually 25 feet. 25 feet. And it, it, it might differ by state. That's yeah, the that's thing. probably true. Uh, and so, you know, like in my head, I think the answer I put, it's multiple, uh, multiple choice. I think I put 50. But like the answer, the real answer is like, I'm not going to get that close to the bus anyway. Like, I'm right. not, you know, like I'm not a maniac. Like, I'm going to be like a reasonable distance away from this bus. So uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, passed, passed the test. Uh, Minnesota, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little hit or miss just in terms of like settling in. Not like it's a bad state or anything. Like we really have enjoyed uh, you know, like just being in this area. But, yeah. uh, you know, like settling into. So for instance, this is even a whole separate thing. Right. Uh, and sorry to everyone who's having to listen to this. I know that's not what you signed up for, but, you know, actually, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know, this is what you signed up for. Yeah. So uh, I, my wife and I had to go to an entirely different office uh, of the DMV to get our license plates. And we bought a car shortly before we moved from Iowa to Minnesota. And Minnesota has some sort of uh, really screwed up state law where if you buy a car in another state and then you move to Minnesota, uh, if you bought the car within 60 days of moving, the state of Minnesota can charge you the difference on the sales tax. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that what? was, that was a little like hit of uh, money that we weren't anticipating, you know? So it's just like all of these little random things that where it's like, yeah, uh, I didn't really know that before moving to Minnesota. Like we still would have moved here if we had known that, but maybe we would have done some things a little bit differently here or there with some of these things. But it's like when my wife and I learned about that, like it was just like, of course, like, of course, we're going to have to pay hundreds more dollars uh, for random sales tax on something that we bought not in this state. That's absolutely brutal. And and, I mean, the sales tax on a car far, far exceeds sales That's tax not, that you yeah. have in most situations. Yeah. 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 It's you're, you're not going to buy things, uh, many things that are more expensive than a car other than a house, which is like, and by the way, we just did that. So it's oh, like, boy. this is, this is not something that like we were thrilled to learn about, but I mean, it's not the fault of, you know, like the, the woman who's helping us at the DMV, you know, it's not like we're going to go off on her. Like she knows it's a ridiculous state law. Right. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, we are glad to have you back on the show. Granted that we have had some pretty phenomenal guests in the time. Some being. great guests. Yeah, some great guests. Some great guests. So I would say that we are already well below the bar that was set the last two episodes. But that's this always, week... <laughs> that's always going to be the case. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So this week, and I'm not sure if this is going to, how much of this episode, this will occupy and, and if the plan for the next one is going to come to fruition. But what we're looking at here this week are auction draft values from ESPN. We're not going to get too far into the auction strategy as last year, Dr. Jeff Budoff, who writes for Rotoviz, not only about injuries, but also is a phenomenal um, medical professional out there. If you look, he has about as absurd of a resume as you're going to see, but he is also maybe the most passionate fantasy football player I've ever met. The guy loves auctions. We did like a super deep dive on them. If you want to look those up, just Google a deep dive into auction strategy. Uh, we did two parts, add Rotoviz Radio to that search. You'll get those. I also have a ton of material on auction drafts up on the site. But what I thought Matt and I could talk about here, and we should probably interject here with Matt, you hate auctions, correct? 
okay, yes, two things uh, I I say right as I derail the show. One, I absolutely hate auctions, so I don't know why we are doing uh, one episode, maybe two episodes on auctions. Two, I don't know why we're not inviting a guest who actually knows stuff about auctions. I mean, I know stuff about auctions, but whatever. But like who knows stuff about auctions and actually cares about auctions. Like, I don't know why we're not inviting an auction expert. Like, I don't know why we're not inviting uh, Dr. Jeff Budoff. Yeah, I think that's a fair uh, question. But I think what it comes down to is I want to use the auction (laughs) prices as a different way to consider player values and the way that players are being perceived yeah. in 2020. That's fair. Does that Can I seem just fair? say that, that's fair? Can I, I mean, not addressing at all the fact that we should have gotten a guest for this episode. Also, uh, I mean, I'm just saying auctions are a total waste of time. Like I'll say like they're clearly superior. Uh, it, probably like the best way of playing fantasy sports just in terms of like the the mental activity of it. Like it's a totally unique market. It's really cool, but it's not scalable at all. It takes forever to do. You know, like you I just said don't this wanna, last time and I have I to vehemently disagree. I don't, I don't want to invest that much time in in an auction. I'd rather just invest the time talking about how laborious it is to do. Oh my gosh. Dude, I have never been in an auction that exceeded 2 hours and 45 minutes. It doesn't yeah, I also don't I also don't like doing drafts like I, I would rather do a, a slow draft. I would rather do literally a thousand slow drafts than one <laughs> than, than, than one draft where I have to like dedicate like two to three hours of my night. See, what, what's wild about this is for most people, maybe the single of the entire year, with the exception of maybe, you know, like three or four other nights, they're most pumped up, up, up about their draft. There's people that go months looking forward to their draft. The entire season really yeah. to them is the draft. So there's I'm, some people out there of, right now. I'm not one of those people. Say, the, I, one exception. The yep. one exception is rookie drafts in Dynasty Leagues because those take a very small amount of time and it's a whole new group of not just like it's, you know, it's like it's a whole new group of players entering the league, you know, and, and you have them. The guy's awesome. You can benefit from that guy for five to 10 years. You know what I mean? So I feel like that is worth it because it's just a different type of experience. You know, sometimes I really wonder why you even got into this whole fantasy football business in the first place. Because like the act of analyzing is actually fun and like the weekly component is fun. And, and the draft back in the day, if you're doing it with friends yeah. and family, that's like, that's different, you know, but like random leagues, uh, I, I don't really like the experience of having to do a, a live draft for that. See, I'm kind of the opposite here in that, of course, since you're doing best ball, you've kind of mitigated the situation. I, I like doing the draft. What I find very laborious is going through the entire process of the season because I don't have a singular way to manage all my teams in a streamlined fashion because inevitably I get invited to some leagues on service providers of which I wouldn't be playing otherwise. And the next thing I know, right. I go from having all of my nice FFPC teams sitting there, all organized, easy to navigate. And now I've got to go to ESPN. I've got to go to Yahoo. I've got to go to CBS. I got to go to 50 million places. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, I am aware of that. I hate that process. Uh, and that's why I pretty much refuse to be in any <laughs> leagues that people ask me to be in. Like, I'm, I'm actually very happy that I'm in a relatively small number of leagues. Yeah. All right. Well, I think now that we've, you know, really just uh, gone off the rails here, should probably hit up the FFPC stat attack, which I have an interesting one for people here. And I think that uh, when we talk about quarterback pricing, it's going to become pretty apparent why I brought this up. But today's FFPC stat attack is that in 2019, Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff played in 14 simultaneous weeks. Mahomes scored more points than Goff in eight of those weeks. Goff scored six more points than Mahomes in eight of those weeks. So just confirm what I mean was if both players played in week eight and Mahomes scored 20 points, Goff scored 16, I'm assigning that week to Mahomes. Likewise, if they both played in week 12, for example, and Goff scored 30 points and Mahomes scored 24, you know, I'm giving that win for that week to Goff. So it's only a delta of two games. As a reminder, the FFPC is the home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. Um, let's though take a, before we focus too much on that, we will talk about a quarterback, that being Cam Newton. I had, ch- I had a chance last week to talk to JJ about Cam, but what was your reaction, Matt? And feel free to give me both your perspective on how this might increase wins for the Patriots, how much of an upgrade over Jared Stidham you think it is. And then in terms of fantasy, if this really pushes Cam back into a QB1 type of range. I was more optimistic probably on Jared Stidham than most people. So, um, you know, I think the difference in wins probably isn't as great as people would maybe expect like I'd say maybe like a game and a half or something like that but I was already expecting the Patriots still to be pretty decent Um, I'm thinking that Cam Newton starts in week one and I don't like I don't think that's a bold take but not everyone I know is actually on that train um, just because in part of how late in the process Cam Newton has been signed but I think if Newton starts in week one I mean, the intention is for him to be the starter the whole season. Uh, And if that happens, if he can actually stay healthy, and I think he probably will be healthy in week one um, because his shoulder injury, uh, you know, he had his surgery for that. Like, that doesn't really seem to be a problem. He's had almost an entire year at this point to rest the foot. Uh, If he starts in week one and he stays healthy, I think he's a top eight fantasy quarterback. Uh, I am, I think, much more bullish on Cam Newton than a lot of people in the industry. I'm very excited to see what he might have the chance to do. Wow, that's, um, for me as a Patriots fan, great to hear. I do want to follow up, though, here with the question about um, if you have Cam in your top eight, have you gone through and actually done Patriots projections? And is that informing this or is that not a huge piece of your, you know, QB8 valuation. Yeah. So uh it's the answer is kind of both. Mm-hmm. Like shooting from the hip and just kind of looking at what Newton has done in the past when he's been healthy, 
you can pretty much lock him in for a, a top eight finish. Uh, and then I, you know, already had projections done with Stidham. Uh, obviously made updates to the projections with Newton. And uh, Newton, I think, assuming he played 15 games, uh, Newton comes in as, I think, my quarterback seven or something like that. So I still, like, either way, kind of however it is that you do it, just shooting from the hip or doing projections, I have him in the top eight. Wow. Well, I, I hope that comes to to pass. Final question for you before we move on from Cam is Cam Newton at 80% of that 2015 season, is he a top 10 quarterback in the NFL from a real football perspective? Yeah, probably, probably pretty close to it. I mean, there was unreal um, efficiency at turning, you know, throws and rushes into touchdowns. Uh, and that was always something that was going to regress. So, you know, we aren't going to see anything like that, uh, with cam this year, but I still think he has a pretty decent chance to have something like 26 touchdowns, uh, throwing and, you know, five, six, maybe touchdowns rushing, uh, as long as he's healthy, the yardage is going to come with those touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, I still think. Like we shouldn't expect anything close to 2015 Newton, just in terms of like him as a real life player. But I think he's still good enough to uh, to finish in the top ten. All right. Well, I will be <laughs> hopefully uh, able to enjoy that coming to pass. Um, what we're going to do now is talk about some of the ESPN average auction values for auction drafts to kind of get a sense of how players shake out into different tiers and see if there's any information that we can glean about the perspective on these players from the general population in 2020. Now, one thing I want to mention before we go any further, though, is of the common mistakes that I see people making when thinking about auctions, a major one is that people will say, well, I know that players are going to go for different prices in my league then they're going to be listed on ESPN for. And what they'll do is they'll convert the player's price into a percentage. Uh, so Christian McCaffrey at roughly $70, they'll say, all right, maybe he's like a 35% type of budget player. But the problem with that is the dollars on an ESPN site are largely being driven by the ESPN roster settings where you have two running backs, two wide receivers, a flex, a tight end, quarterback, DST, and kicker. So if you're just converting to the percentages, those percentages are being swayed by the positional allocations in the overall number of players. So I would caution people about looking too heavily into trying to make any conversions to their leagues. Where I do think that it's helpful, though, to look at the prices is so that you can get a general sense of how large of a gap there might be between players and heading into your auction where those tiers fall. And I also think it's interesting to review auction tiers because once in a while you will see players that are being valued very differently in an auction than they are in a snake draft where things are moving in a linear fashion. Sometimes that doesn't always match to what you get in an auction. And I also think looking at the way that tiers shake out in an auction can be useful for those of you 
that are going to be playing in that typical snake redraft league um, as it just kind of another way of considering where you personally value players against what the market might do. And uh, with the amount of time that we wasted at the start of the show, Matt, we might only get through looking at the quarterback tiers here. Uh, but nonetheless, let's start this off. Um, I don't think that you'll be surprised at all by this, Matt. You have Lamar Jackson going for $35. Patrick Mahomes going for 35 The break between them and the tier that includes Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray, it's a huge gap. So you have Watson going for 10 You have the Jackson and Mahomes again going for 35 So a whole 25 points more. A three times inflator between Watson, Mahomes, and Jackson. Clearly, I think that there's a huge disconnect in there. I think even in the best season you can imagine for them, it's hard to imagine that they're th- worth three times the value of Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Do you disagree? Uh, no, I, I do not disagree. Uh, I mean, obviously, Jackson and Mahomes are a tier above and deserve to be a tier above uh, that that foursome of Watson, Wilson, Prescott and Murray. But uh, I think wait, like based on the numbers. Wow, that was loud. Based on the numbers that that we are seeing here, um, it's I mean, it's pretty inflated. Like, I wouldn't want to pay the premium for Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, me either. And I think in terms of a way that you're building your team, um, it's really hard to justify in an auction perspective putting that extra $25 into those two players when there's other options you can get that are probably going to approximate 85, maybe even 90% of the value for so much less. But it's also interesting to me because you will see people getting tempted to take those two players in redraft leagues, maybe in the second or third round. But if you were to put dollar values on those picks, I think you would see that the huge drop off in dollar value between the Mahomes or Jackson that you're getting and somebody like Matthew Stafford or Matt Ryan would be so vast that it really like drives home the late round quarterback type of approach. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just looking at these, these numbers a little bit more, um, I just, I, I can't believe that someone would want to spend that much on Jackson and Mahomes, like late round quarterback or what, like the equivalent, the auction equivalent of late round quarterback seems like the, the way you have to go on something like this. Um, one, I think one factor to keep in mind would be uh, how much you want to stack because like I could see if you just want to take like a uh, flame the earth type of approach where it's like, I want to get Mahomes and and put him with Kelsey, or I want to get Mahomes and put him with Tyreek Hill or something like that. You could have the same situation of like Lamar Jackson with Mark Andrews. Um, but even then, if, if you want to stack, there are easier ways, more efficient ways to create high upside stacks. Yeah, I can definitely see that being a certain approach. And one of the cool things about an auction is that you're able to put together teams in ways that you would just about never be able to do in a typical snake type of draft. So, you know, approaches like that can be cool. Um, I can certainly understand the the thought process behind why you might do that. But it would take a lot for me to try to work in a player for $35 at the quarterback position, no matter who they are. 
Let's take a step away, though, for a quick second from a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Okay, so as I said, after Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, you have a tier that includes Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray. Watson at $10, Wilson at 9 Prescott at 8 Murray at 8 Is it surprising to you, Matt, to see Kyler Murray, and granted, this is an ESPN league, so this is more of that general population. This is not the high-stakes FFPC type of player. Does it surprise you that we already see Murray getting into the conversation as a Tier 2 passer? No. I mean, I think that's pretty universally where he's ranked and where he's projected and I think people who are doing auction drafts are going to tend to be a little bit sharper anyway, a little more obsessed with fantasy sports because they're doing an auction draft. And if they're doing it this early, I bet they're also fairly sharp too. Uh, so not a surprise at all that uh, Murray is in that second tier. And I don't think that we even need to ask the question, but you do firmly believe that he uh, should be sitting there with Wilson, Prescott, and Watson. Uh, yes, I, I think that's, uh, that's a fair ranking, uh, both in terms of like where he is in ADP and where a lot of experts, uh, are tending to put him right now. I have him, I believe as my number four fantasy quarterback, but it's all really tight with, uh, with the other guys who are in that tier with him. I have a a question for you. Um, My feel, and I might be wrong, so I kind of want to get your sense on this. My feel is that a lot of the, um, a lot of like the magic sauce of success with, uh, auctions is, uh, being able to kind of arbitrage in the correct way. So finding, you know, like finding, uh, the value in Watson versus Mahomes or something like that. So that's part of it. But then I think also part of it is, having a accurate read on uh, the market and knowing either like the dynamic of one of two things that either people are going to be paying up early in a tier or they're going to be paying up late in a tier. And I don't know if there's a way in which you can predict that accurately going into your, your auction. Sure. What I would say to that is, and I'll hit your first point about the arbitrage piece. For me, one of the biggest things is understanding that you should be aggressive with the good players and not be afraid to overspend a little bit on the good players. But a way that you safely do that is you identify guys, for example, like Tyler Boyd is going for $7. He's a player that has 
you know, a range of outcomes that's similar to, I would say, maybe even a player like Robert Woods, who's going for 16. And maybe if you don't feel that Boyd's odds of being Robert Woods are that strong, it's an example, though, of a guy that you can build into your roster, maybe even in a bench type of role to add some stability. So if you identify the guys that you think are undervalued in an auction, you build them into the back of your team. I think that's kind of how you approach that arbitrage situation. Um, But beyond that, a general type of guideline that I would give would be if the players that get nominated, the good players that get nominated towards the start of the draft go for high prices, then those middle of the road players that are going to get nominated generally later in the draft are going to go for lower prices. Conversely, if the best players are going for low prices, then you're going to see the middle level guys go for salaries that are relatively close. And that's because there's a finite number of dollars that are in this auction pool to be spent. So as a result of that, if people aren't spending money early, they're going to have it later and they're going to want to spend it. Conversely, you know, they're going to be running out of it if they're spending it early, which is going to allow for only so much spending to occur later. Does that kind of get at the question that you asked? No, it it doesn't. So you were specifically um, within a tier. Within a tier. Yeah, correct. Um, okay. Yeah. So I think what you might be getting at is the phenomenon, which I have a great name for this, but I forget what I called it. But it's <laughs> that is so good. But it's in the article. It's in the article um supply, demand, and auction drafts. It's getting real loud in here. I don't know if you can hear that. Oh, um, I can hear it. Yes. So hopefully when people listen to this, I'm able to edit out some of that background noise to a degree. All right, but what you're talking about is something that commonly happens, which is if you have a wide receiver tier, and let's say it starts at Kenny Galladay and at Juju Smith-Schuster, yep. when people start to realize that the only player left in that tier is Juju Smith-Schuster, you can actually see him end up going for the same price or higher than the first player that was nominated in that tier because all of a sudden he's become this scarce resource. It shifts the demand curve. Uh, The supply curve has also shifted, so the equilibrium market price has all of a sudden now been raised, which um, like for more of a sense of how that works, you could read the article. But yeah, you're right on that. So what you do want to try to- I think that makes sense. Yeah. What you want to avoid, I guess, here, the takeaway is if you know that you want to get one of these players in a tier, try to get in on it before you're down to the last one or two, because then it is possible that price raises. Okay, I think that makes sense. Uh, I actually think that makes a lot of sense thinking of it in terms of supply and demand within the tier. I could see it actually being a situation where uh, the desire for a player, like the last player in a tier is so strong that he ends up being priced pretty similarly to the guys who are actually in the tier above him. Yeah, that can certainly happen. And I've seen good examples of that, Um, especially at running back where people feel like they have to get that top shelf running back you can sometimes even see um like a corollary for this year would be maybe like McCaffrey Barkley Elliot Kamara Cook and even Derrick Henry have gone and then it's possible somebody thinks that Aaron Jones or Nick Chubb belong in there or two guys do you could see them going for crazy high prices uh which also brings me to a point I talk about a lot is it's really dangerous in an auction to get too attached to one player 
I generally have like three or four players that fit into this profile that I'm looking at just in the event that if one player starts to get uncomfortably high, I don't go down that road because I'm always going to be bidding on these guys. Um, and if like the first one goes too high, I don't go for it. The second player comes up, I might not go for it. But if I really want those guys and I've seen the first two go at those prices, that's a pretty good indicator to me. I'm not going to get any type of discount or whatnot. And I say to myself, of the number of plans that I have in place, can I still execute one of these plans if I now do go aggressively after either of the third or the fourth option? Um, yeah, there's, I, I oh, get that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So there's definitely so much strategy to it. And, and like I've said, like I've written about this a lot and talked about it a lot. Um, but I do like if you are going to go into an auction and you haven't done it yet, or even if you've done auctions, I think that the things that I talk about in the auction kind of strategy and principles are far more important than the thought of the question that I always get is how do I value player X? How much should I spend on player X? And a lot of it goes back to there's so much inter interdependency in an auction that it doesn't make sense to try and figure out what you should value a player at because so much of that is driven by the market and other things that have already happened in your draft that it's better to have this plan of how you want to build your team in different ways that you can pivot if things shake out in a way that aren't expected. However, though, if you do start looking at the strategy and you think through things a little bit more in that lens of supply and demand, you're able to get a better sense, you know, after the first five guys have gone in your draft of how things are going to go. On that note, Matt, let's quickly get through the rest of these quarterback tiers. And then I think in episode two of this week, we'll look at running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. So behind the Kyler Murray tier, you have Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, and Cam Newton, all between $5 and $3. Do you have any names in that list that I just read that you're like, no, that guy doesn't belong in that tier? Uh, not really. I mean... I, I could, I mean, yeah, I could sort of argue like, I think Cam Newton belongs in the second tier or something like that, but I'm not going to like make that ridiculous argument, but, uh, no, that, that tier makes sense to me. Um, I have a few thoughts on it. Like yep. I would probably rather have, uh, Cam Newton or, uh, like Cam Newton at $3 or maybe j like Josh Allen at $3, uh, versus like Russell Wilson at $9. Or something like that. And then, like, I'm looking at the tier below that. Like, I would rather have Roethlisberger at $1 versus Drew Brees at $4 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I just think there's so much value later on in the tiers when I'm looking at the, the quarterback position that, I mean, even though I see how Watson is a value it, relative to Mahomes, I just look at some of these other players and I think, man, that guy's really a value relative to all of the guys in the second tier. Exactly. Because I think that when you look at the tiers like this, it drives home opportunity cost so much, especially if you consider that Mahomes and Watson example. Like you said, maybe you're getting Watson at a value compared to Mahomes. But that $25 difference, and then if you add to that a difference of like 7 bucks even between Deshaun Watson and a lower level quarterback, that 27 bucks can get you another tier one wide receiver, can go into a Hopkins, into an Adams, into a Hill. Now, perhaps you're not able to pick up that much value 
um, overall in the snake draft because you're probably not going to be going for Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes in like a second or third round like you might see sometimes. But I still think it really drives home why you shouldn't neglect opportunity costs. And when you have numbers like this, it just makes the picture that much more clear. One one question here, yep. uh, I think kind of before we, we can wrap this up. Um, Watson, let's say Watson at $10 versus... I don't know, like Matt Stafford at two dollars, or yep. Matt Ryan. At, let's say Matt Ryan at three dollars. Um, do you think the difference that you save in money by dropping down from Watson to Ryan, that seven dollars that you save, do you think that's actually worth it? Uh, yep. Do you think that seven dollars makes a difference when it comes time to invest in a a running back or a wide receiver, or do you think at that point? it actually might be worth spending the $10 on Deshaun Watson. Um, I think some of that is going to come down to the point in time in your draft in which Watson gets nominated. I would say if Watson gets nominated in the first like 50 or so players, you can definitely recoup that $7 difference by sinking it into another player. Now, you might not know at the time who it's going to be, but having that $7 is going to give you a little bit more wiggle room to be aggressive, which you need to be in an auction. You need to be aggressive to come away with a team that you're going to feel good about because the downside of not being aggressive is you basically just blow up your entire draft. You reach the end of the draft and you have a lot of money, no players to spend it on. That's not where you want to be. But if you're 150 players deep and Watson and Stafford are still there, I doubt at that point you're really going to recoup that $7. So at that point, you could pivot. Um, but in the overwhelming majority of drafts, I think that you're better off saving that $7 because that $7 is going to allow you to pick up overall a higher number of points in the difference between the wide receiver running back that you might get versus the one you would end up with if you took Watson and were in, you know, within the first like 50 picks. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. On that note, I think we can close up with this pod. We will be back later in the week, looking at running back wide receiver and tight end prices. Um, as always, thank you to the FFPC and bet online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate review and subscribe. You can find us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Believe it.